Eternal Journals is a podcast brought to you by Hipsters of the Coast and Cast Haven. I'm doing okay here. How are you doing? Um, you know, not too shabby. Uh, you know, just the same old stuff. I watched a little Star Trek today. <laughs> Did, were you snowed in? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I did. I snowed in, sort of. I went to, uh, uh, I went to work still, but uh, we were snowed in at work. Yeah, it was uh, 68 degrees here in Utah today. It was really bizarre yeah, because nice. I work. <laughs> well, I work with the, like on the East Coast with like an East Coast office, and everyone there is like just miserable. And I'm like, oh, it's sunny and nice here. <laughs> Went yeah. for a run. Well, do you get a chance to play any Magic this week? Uh, I did. I played. Uh, I played a little modern actually this week. Uh, I went over to Nebulous for their Tuesday night event, and uh, uh, you know, change of pace. There were 12 people instead of the normal like legacy four man that's been happening lately. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, I got to play four rounds of of uh, modern. Uh, I took uh, gifts ungiven. With me, I played a uh, uh, gifts minus red, uh, mm-hmm. so um, you know uh, main deck Elish Norn, and I threw in some fatal pushes and stuff into the deck, and uh, it, it performed pretty well. I went three and one. Um, I played against a weird like turbo mill deck. Uh, some yeah. guy had only been playing for like two weeks in the first round. You know your classic first round first round matchup. Uh, someone who hasn't been playing long enough to understand what your deck does. Um, and then uh, that that went into a Tron deck. I was able to beat the Tron deck with my uh, land destruction uh, packages, which was cool. And what's uh, the land destruction package? Uh, so when you cast gifts, you cast gifts, and you get uh, if you don't already have a ghost quarter or tech edge. I happen to have them in my opener for both game one and game two. Um, but uh, or uh, sorry, game one, game two, and game three. There, there was a third game. Um, the, so you get tech edge, you get ghost quarter. You get uh, Life and Loam, and you get uh, Raven's Crime. And you use those to leverage the cards out of your opponent's hand so that he can't put more lands into play slash cast his fatties from his hand uh, yeah. in Tron. And then you um, can continually get back uh, Ghost Quarter or Tech Edge to get rid of his uh, get rid of his lands. Gifts is a cool deck. I love playing it. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't it was, played it in a while. It felt it felt super good there. Uh, he got me in the first in the first game, based off of of just you know he eventually was able to get his last land that he needed in play, and I wasn't able to stop him. So then he got out Tron. Uh, Tron. He got out Karn, and that was sort of the end of it for me. I couldn't yeah. really come back from that. Uh, then in the second two games, I was able to just keep him off of. Uh, Keep him off of Tron and eventually pressure his life total down to where I was able to kill him. Uh, the th- off of also uh, in, in the sideboard I bring in Terracidon and that was pretty big in like stopping yeah, him geez. from being able to do things. Um, and in the uh, th- third game, I looked at his hand and I found uh, that he had a, uh, a relic and a bunch of artifacts in his hand, like cantrip artifacts. Mm-hmm. So I just got rid of his Sullivan scrying that was in his hand 
And then turn two, I slammed uh, Stony Silence, and that was pretty much game over from there. Yeah, jeez. Um, yeah, nice next... to have that. What was that? It was nice, nice to have that. Oh, in yeah. Your, in your deck, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, so then the next round, I played a Creature Toolbox, and uh, that deck did get me. Uh, it was close, but um, at the end of the day, I need to top deck a uh, Elish Norn against him at some point. Uh, I could actually have cast it by then, and I just didn't. So I didn't get any uh, the removal that I was looking for or an Elish Norn, so that ended ended me um, there. It was like, like Court of Calling. Yeah, and, it was a lot like uh, playing an old-school pod deck without pods in it. They had Court of Calling instead. Um the, de- the deck was pretty good. I mean, I couldn't, I, you know, I can't say anything bad about the deck. It felt very fair to play against, but, yeah. um, you know, like voice of resurgence is a card to deal with. <laughs> yeah. One of the hardest things to deal with in modern. And then, uh, my last round was against ad nauseum and, uh, you know, I have enough hand disruption, uh, to, to really deal with that deck, uh, in the beginning of the game. And at the end of the game, I can, I can pressure his life total, uh, using, using my, uh, you know, uh, lingering souls and stuff like that, and having Lilian in the deck to get rid of his permanence and stuff, it was pretty easy to to um, take him down. Uh, but he did end up getting me in the first game, right? Yeah, and that that cool. was basically what I I also did play in uh, the the previous week. I played uh, Legacy as well, and I did try my rug deck, and uh, I went one and two. But because I played a friend in the final round, and it's a four man tournament. Uh, he scooped me in the final round, uh, and then we played, and so I won uh, first place in the tournament, which was thirty nine dollars. That's amazing. I was telling people about that, <laughs> trying to get people to to raise the uh, entry <laughs> entry uh, fee for our weeklies. Um, I played I played Legacy on Tuesday. We had twenty two players, so nice uh, nice group for our five dollar weeklies. Yeah. I played mono black mid range. With a caveat, in that you can't really play mono black in Legacy. Like, for one, you get pulled into just playing Deathrite Shaman because you have a swamp in your deck. Of course. And, like, then, you know, black can't kill artifacts or enchantments, so I had three Abrupt Decays and a Cross and Griff in my sideboard to go with two Bayou in my main deck. Sure. But, uh, so I played a deck, actually had four cards from the Kaladesh block in it. Oh, yeah? Um... So I had four Death Rites, four Dark Confidants, three Gifted Aetherborn, which is a black, black, two, three with Death Touch and Lifelink. The uh, Vampire Nightwalk. <laughs> yeah, Vampire Nightwalk, yeah. And one Kalidus, uh, Trader of Get, which is which was a cool card. I actually was going to put a Tombstalker there and just sort of uh, and sort of roll the dice with Bob. And I remember I owned a Kalidus, so I put that in. Yeah, he seems good. Yeah. Uh, four Fatal Push, four Thoughtseize, four Liliana of the Veil. Three Smuggler's Copter, so there's another card from uh, Kaladesh uh, that was nice and cheap. <laughs> yeah. uh, three Tops, two Chrome Mox, two Cabal Therapy, two Dismember, two Diabolic Edict, one Engineer Explosives, and one uh, GTA. Um, our meta has kind of a lot of dark depth decks, so I had to like you have to have a lot of Diabolic Edicts in your deck. Yeah. There were three people out of 22 playing some sort of depths. Uh, strategy. There's wow. also a bunch of sneak and show. So that yeah. sneak and show is not. Yeah, there you go. That that's <laughs> yeah. also good against sneak and show. Uh, four wasteland, four swamps, uh, six black fetchlands, two bayous, three mistress factory, and one urborg tomb of Yogmoth. Um, and then the sideboard, uh, the decay and the grip. Uh, then I had a three surgical extraction, two pithing needle, two fairy macabre, two Yehenny's expertise, which is from 
Ether Revolt as well. Um, that is a two black black. Um, all creatures get minus three, minus three until end of turn, and then you may play a card with converted mana cost three or less without paying its mana cost. How'd that do for you? I, I didn't get to cast it. I'll tell you. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but yeah, I was drawing to it at one point and couldn't cast it, which was too bad. Um, and then I had an ensnaring bridge again, depths and sneak and show was a big deal. Um, and, uh, and then, um, a dread of night because we have a lot of death and taxes. Yeah. So, uh, this deck is it really takes me back to like starting out legacy and playing what used to be called the gate. And that deck had gatekeeper of Malakir. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like an att- black, not a black attrition deck. Uh, you know, a couple things happened. One was that death rate shaman was printed. And the original version of this deck, you know, or the first version of it, didn't have a one-mana creature and instead played Innocent Blood. Yep. But Innocent Blood's really bad with Deathrite because Deathrite is just way better than not playing a Deathrite. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, so that didn't really work out. Um, and it was basically like a Bitter Blossom Umazawa's Jite deck where you would just, like, you know, play a Dark Confidant, use some removal... Um, and then sort of dig through your deck until you found a GTA and could stick it to, you know, some fairy rogues that are flying and gain your life back and win the game. Yeah. Um, so, so obviously the changes that I, the main, the main changes that I felt like in this new version of the deck was that it had deck dark, uh, sorry, death, right. Shaman. And then fatal push makes it so that you can kill things on turn one without having to kill your own death, right. Um, Gifted Aetherborn. So Vampire Nighthawk is also a card that made appearances in the original version of the deck as sort of an evasive sword carrier. And it's actually, it's really interesting. Like, yes, flying is important, but like Death Touch and Lifelink is really good against the ground armies in a way as like just a removal spell or removal option. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, I didn't play against Eldrazi, but like I was thinking like, I could either play Tarmogoyfs and just go deeper into green, or I could try this, and you know that's pretty much what you want to do against Eldrazi anyway, just get in their way. Yep. Um, so I thought that would uh, be good, and it, it did turn out to be pretty good. Um, and then instead of going deep on the Bitter Blossoms and GTAs, I played the Smuggler's Copter. The, uh, the idea there being that I could sort of stick my Dark Confidant in it and still get through. And you just see so many cards between Dark Confidant top smuggler's copter you know oh yeah you're really kind of going through your deck so i was pretty happy with it i gotta say i was i I was really happy with how the deck felt in terms of like how it played out um i went one one and one the first round was against goblins uh and i I know this player i've seen him play two decks i've seen him play goblins and black red reanimator and I lost the die roll, and then he put a Bloodstained Mire down, and I'm just like, please don't be <laughs> Reanimator right now. And uh, <laughs> it was Goblins. Um, uh, he actually played an Aether Vial in turn one, and I actually had naturally drawn an Engineered Explosives, which I put in my main deck because there's kind of a lot of Chalices, and I thought I could you know, just have a thing I could beat a Chalice with in my main deck. Um, we see a lot of Chalices around here now, recently. Um so I was able to actually, uh, you know, get my get my sort of engine going with the death right, and uh, you know, just I took out a, an ether two ether vials and a goblin lackey and my own death right with the engineered explosives, but it was still a pretty good trade. It's to stabilize a bit. Um, I took him off lands. I was able to wasteland him a little bit. He didn't have a lot of land 
So you have like a land light hand with, with two vials. It's funny about goblins. Um, you can do that. You can get them off of their lands because they're running, you know, between wasteland and uh, they're like low mana count. You can get them off of off of land pretty easily. Yeah, he had like a plateau yeah. uh, in his deck. Uh, and, uh, like, you know, they have ports sometimes. And I had, you know, a bunch of basic swamps I was just pulling out of my deck. So, yep. uh, so I did win game one, uh, you know, that way, which felt, which felt pretty good. You know, got my gifted Aetherborn down, put him in a smuggler's copter, flew over the top of his goblins, <laughs> uh, you know, found more removal and just kind of kept it, kept the board clear. Uh, in game two, he was flooding out like crazy and, I mean, he, I, he had sort of had a pretty nice opener, but I was just kind of like taking care of what he was doing with my removal, and um, he kept drawing lands. So there's someone there was someone watching our game, and like the guy's got like he's got uh, like four mountains and a plateau and like two cavernousles out, Oof. and and uh, the other player watching just like sort of absolutely says, "What's the most expensive goblin?" And I said, "Well, siege gang commander." thinking like I'm dead to a siege gang commander, <laughs> like, because I have a lot of, I didn't, I didn't have my Henny's expertise. I just had a bunch of point removal and like a Liliana. Yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of just like waiting. I, you know, I was trading with everything he put down and just kind of like trying to, um, to just get ready to draw a threat and start, start attacking. And of course he ripped the siege gang off the top, Ugh. had more than enough mana to play it and like take out my board. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but yeah. It was pretty bad, um, so I lost. And then in game three, um, he just overran me. I think he drew four cards off a ringleader pretty early, and Oof. that was the end of the game. Yeah. So, but I felt good. Like I felt like the deck was doing what to do. That's what I was saying. Like in that second game, I was really just like, he plays a siege gang, and I know I'm pretty close to dead. So I'm like, top fetch, top again, attack with copter, draw and discard. Just trying to find that Yehenny's expertise to to clean up the board. But uh, it wasn't there, so unfortunately, that was what happened. Yeah. In round two, I played against Black Green Nickfit. Um, he started out. We both started out like swamp, basic swamp sensei's top. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, that's. I always laugh when something like that happens. Like, when does that ever happen? You know. <laughs> yeah. The dueling um, swamp sensei's divining top decks. Yeah, yeah. that's that's rare. He uh, he then like zenith. He played a bayou cast zenith for zero got a dryad arbor uh to which i responded with like wasteland your bayou dismember your dryad arbor um took him off green which was which is just really important and he didn't have another green source and i won uh in game two uh i think i just got i just lost to a grave titan you know it's another one of these things where it's like it goes wide and it's just so hard to beat yeah. you know for a deck that's doing a lot of point removal i actually uh, I lost the Grave Titan by going uh, like four for two with it because I had to like fatal push a Dryad Arbor, fatal push a zombie token, dismember a zombie token, play Liliana and make you sack your uh, Grave Titan. Wow. And then he just like, I think then he like played Eternal Witness and got it back. I was like, <laughs> all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. And then in game, in game three, uh, I actually had, so we were in turns and, uh, I had like stabilized pretty well. I had a bunch of creatures. He had nothing. Um, and I was going to win if he didn't draw a creature or a green sun Zenith. Like I had enough to like push through damage, but he was at like 12 or something. Um, I will say that it was important to have fatal push because he played like a scavenging ooze and I just 
you know, I was able to fatal push it, and even though it was like a six six, and then he had gained a bunch of life, it still died. So yeah. there's your like, you know, this figure would have been as good. Um, but he did draw a creature, which was enough. To have, have enough blockers. And I didn't even get to do my cool like. I had a Kalidus out and uh, a zombie, and I wanted to like crew the copter with the zombie and then sacrifice it to Kalidus, but it didn't matter. So that was a draw. And then round three was Enchantress, um, and uh, yeah, he just. Uh, the, the removal obviously isn't that important there, but he just wasn't able to find Enchantress effect uh, in game one. Um, in fact, it was kind of funny. He played an Elephant Grass against my mono black deck. <laughs> on, like, turn that two. card's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Like so, but like, you know, he's not doing anything else. He's just paying the upkeep on it, and yeah. I just kept playing like more Dark Confidants. And I had a top, so I would like top and then like take take one but draw three cards a dark confidant and then i could still attack through it with uh smuggler's copter um which will let me see more cards just sort of like let me get to the point where you know i was able to waste them off of sarah's sanctum and so eventually he had to let it die and try and win the game and then i just attacked i probably had like 14 power to play at that point yeah uh so, so that was that game and then in game two um, he multi five and was playing Enchantress, so yeah, to, that, that's like, it. Thoughts, he took it out. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have some horror stories about playing Suicide Black back in the day and having my opponent just be like, "All right, cool. I like your Carnophage. I see what you're doing there, and I will start with an Elephant Grass after board." And you're just like, <sighs> "Yeah, it wasn't even an out that I had thought of with the Smuggler's Copters or the Factories. I just thought that they were cool cards." Yeah, but uh. Yeah, I mean, there's Enchantress guys in our meta now, so... I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, back in the day, I mean, that was that was the thing. Like, I mean, look at that card, Ghostfire, right? Like, Ghostfire <laughs> is colorless. You used to play Ghostfire because your opponent had a cop, you know, like a Circle of Protection Red. And you're like, yeah. I might need to get that last three damage in. I need a cop. I need to get around the cop. This is colorless. You know, same thing with, like, uh, there was some Fireball that was colorless as well. So, like, you basically, like... Uh, had to worry about like being a monocolored deck. That's not really a thing so much anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know having Death Rite and Decay is great. Um, you know, for this deck, I kind of would have liked to explore some other splashes, but there's nothing that makes any more sense. And uh, I, I really felt like the deck was pretty good. I think if you're not going to play Jund, <laughs> um, you know, there's not really a great reason to just play black green. If you go into mono black, you get like the resilience to wasteland, which is pretty important at times. Don't let um, Golgari Vin hear you say that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a thing. Like it, it's it's the question about this gifted Etherborn like versus Tarmogoyf, and they're they're not equal equal, but they're not as far apart as you would think in the context of what you're trying to do with the deck. Well, a four point life um, swing is 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 just that a four point life swing. You know, yeah, Goyf just like, is normally you know, a four or five. Yeah, like a four or five Goyf still just eats it to a Reality Smasher, whereas a uh, Gifted Etherborn blocking a Reality Smasher is you you gain two life even though you take two damage so and you, you still kill one. it. Yeah, you take one from the trample. Well, it's a two three. It's a two three. Oh wow! You take you two just... from the trample and then you gain two life. That's amazing. So and you then literally do, it is dead. Yeah, just block it. You're good. That's that's actually pretty great. Yeah, so so that's why I thought uh, this card would be interesting. And Vampire Nighthawk just it's 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 interesting how much the extra mana really matters. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, this is legacy. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, two, is, two mana and three true. mana is is a giant difference. It's why people weren't playing with Trinity Nemesis for so long. You know, uh, in, in these decks, and now that's such a huge card because people aren't aren't able to really 
leverage the land destruction thing in like a rug delver deck there's that's not really a monster in the meta anymore so now you can go up to three mana and once these three mana decks start to start to roll in and if they're good enough to blank out the decks that were uh stopping uh rug delver rug delver might pop back in and then make those decks bad it it legacy's weird like that you get these weird like rotating metas yeah, and that's actually what I thought would be our topic today. <laughs> like, how good is how good is land destruction and mana denial right now in the yeah. format? I think we have a little discussion on it because, you know, you think about all these decks are going so much bigger. You get these higher converted mana costs on average, yeah. and Fatal Push is gonna is going to drive that even more because people are going to be playing more three drops just so you don't get you know incidental death. Yeah, you know, of course, you, you got to play bigger creatures, user, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, that was what I thought we could talk about. Today, but I, I thought so some... too. I thought that would be a great topic. <laughs> but we've got some news, right? Yeah, news happened today, which is uh, always always a pleasure. I'm always glad glad to see that we get some news. Uh, the news today was that uh, Wizards is changing some changing some organized play things. Uh, you want to go over some of that stuff? Yes. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, the big thing I think for legacy players is just that they're getting rid of uh, Grand Prix trials, which. They sort of snuck into this uh, announcement. It's like the third bullet point down. Yeah. Um, so I read that. And one thing that I think we should know is that the last Grand Prix for which there will be Grand Prix trials is Grand Prix Las Vegas. It's a Legacy Grand Prix. Yeah. So at least we'll get to play Legacy Grand Prix, uh, yeah. Grand Prix trials. Um, I think that losing Grand Prix trials is a big blow. <laughs> not, I mean, not a, I shouldn't say it's a big blow. Because you know, is it worse than losing the legacy opens? No, but like, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. It's all. Legacy, it's just right? like incremental damage that constantly pops up. And so, what what we're saying by that, if in case you're uh, you're not following us, listener, is um, the GPT was one way for stores to run legacy events that had like a top eight um, that was that was organized that would give you uh, DCI points that the store could do without very much thought. Um, so now stores really have to put some thought into how they're going to run a larger event, which means that there's a lot more um, quality uh, difference in these in these events. If a store just goes, hey, we're going to run a random, you know, top eight event for, for Legacy, stores that aren't used to doing that generally are pretty bad at it. Stores that are used to doing that aren't going to have a problem. Like Top Deck Games is a great place. When they run a big event, it's almost always solidly run. It's great. Uh, the, you know the stores that do EE events, that lo- the larger ones like the silver events, that's great. Those are good. Those ones are going to run fine. But the Grand Prix trial was like a tournament that a store could run as sort of a no-brainer because they already knew how to do it for standard. They already knew how to do it for modern. They already knew how to do it for um, uh, limited, and they were doing them. They just weren't very well attended. Um, and so that is that was the problem. Yeah, I, I I never could figure out why Grand Prix trials weren't very well attended. I guess as a person who has to be sort of um, like discerning about what events I go to, like I, I would I would go to like a Grand Prix trial that was modern. You know, yeah. if it was if I was available, I would like if it was like a day where I didn't have a lot going on, I could and I felt like I could, I would do it. And uh, I went to a Grand Prix trial, Legacy Grand Prix trial, and I had 12 players once, and I was surprised. Like, who doesn't want to play some high-level Legacy? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess that's a problem, but I just think it, I just think it sucks because – so assuming we still have Legacy Grand Prix to talk about next year, um, you know, 
getting the points for a buy is going to be that much harder to be that many there's going to be that much fewer multipliers in your local area right yeah it just feeds um, more into the pros that grind these tournaments that play standard that play limited that play modern that basically can afford to you know afford not just money wise but time wise to play all of these formats and as as an adult legacy player in my 30s I don't have time for that crap like let me play my weekly let me play um whenever a big event comes around I try and get in get into that but like it's just it's it's really upsetting that like every time I go to a Grand Prix it just continues like you know the rich get richer the people who are established magic players continue to get uh you know these these advantages over over the us regular guys that are supporting the format on on a on a regular basis which is really upsetting and i think that there's there's, we should talk a little about i mean just the fact that it affects modern as well and a lot of people are upset about this because if you mean you live in new york i mean and i I live in utah which has a pretty decent amount of stores um in our in our area but there are some people who like their grand prix trials was like their only chance to play a competitive rel event right And they lose that, especially in other countries, I guess, has been the big deal that, you know, if I like modern and I live in some other country or if I live in, you know, some somewhat rural area, you know, I now no longer really have any way to play competitive modern. Yeah. And it's, I don't if I'm not interested in playing standard, you know, I'm not a player anymore. The the way it was worded, too, was really I just found it to be so corporate like. It just was like such a corporate, like I don't know. It's it it sounded slimy to me. I got it right here. Yeah, please. Um, while some good was accomplished by having Grand Prix trials in local stores, more often than not, this program had mixed success and limited turnout. I watched it. And I, I read that and I was like, "Huh, what?" <laughs> well, I that mean, wasn't actually the thing that I I found like you know mildly offensive. It was the like the way they talked about um they, they were like we're going to sunset this format for you know for reasons and stores can figure out how they want to run their events otherwise I, i'm trying to find the exact wording but i was just like come on that's just the yeah. worst you know here we go Let's find the exact wording here um woof well, anyhow, the the concept of them being like, we're going to sunset. Here it is. So we have decided to sunset in-store Grand Prix trials, effective June 2017, in order to allow you to focus on events that offer the maximum impact for your business. That is pure, like, business talk trash. That means yeah. we're getting rid of this, and you can do whatever the F you please. We don't really care. We're not replacing it with anything. <laughs> Like that's is that on like the WPN site or something? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just such like, a such a complete like trash way to say like, yeah, we don't want to run these events anymore. And look, there are some problems with Grand Prix trials. I'm not defending Grand Prix trials by any stretch of the imagination. I think they sucked. Um, they're just not replacing them with anything. And I think that they had an opportunity to take Grand Prix trials away and be like, hey. Now we're going to offer something to the people who want to play modern and to the people who want to play legacy as well. And we can also still do standard stuff. And it just seems like they're like, hey, we want to make sure that you guys know that we really care about standard. We really care about you purchasing new magic cards. And that's all we care about. And if you're invested in modern, if you're invested in legacy, we don't care. 
it doesn't matter to us stores if that's something you care about cool you'd figure it out and it's it's insulting to me it's insulting yeah it, it's really hard to get a community off the ground uh with a store i mean we're very lucky out, out here and i've talked about it a bunch of times just like how supportive the stores are and how supportive the legacy community is um in getting it from like you know six people to 22 in yeah. less than a year right um but you know, I, I, I recognize other people aren't so lucky, and I just think the message being sent about uh, the non-rotating formats, if someone was saying, like, you know, first they came for Legacy, then they came for Modern, and it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's dramatic, and it's a joke, but, it's, like, you know, you know what they're saying very like, true, man. Like, they're, they're not really supporting Modern that much anymore. I mean, it's only a matter of time before the Modern PPTQs go away, right? Yeah. Like... And they like even to... modern Grand Prix was our our low like, you know, <laughs> there's six or something like that. That is actually uh, I have to say six is more than they had uh, the, the the most that they've had for a very long time. Uh, it had been four, four, five, and now six as far as the years were concerned. Because I've actually been keeping track of that. Um, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it has gone up. But that's only because we're not getting a Pro Tour for it. So we're getting one more Grand Prix, which isn't good enough to me. And they're not really they're not really doing a very good job of showing us those formats. So no one wants to no one's new wants to play them, which is which is another problem I think we have. The other one is like their run standard gets get rewards thing is just like people are are defecting to Frontier, which I think is dumb. But people are doing that, and people are and people are still holding on to modern and and legacy. And Wizards doesn't like that. They want you playing standard, and so they're giving stores like free promos to run standard events. And stores are like, well, people actually want to play, you know, Frontier at F and M and not standard. So that's what we're gonna do. And Wizards is like, don't do that. Do this thing we want you to do instead. And people are like, no, we'd still rather do this thing. And like this, even this, um time like wizards is like listen play standard just only play standard you know like that's that's pretty much what all this all this stuff says there's a little bit of mixed messages going on too with like they they've been doing these expeditions and masterpieces right mm -hmm. yeah which which generally on reprints they have a modern master set coming out in like a month and a half <laughs> like why are I mean, we playing modern anymore if wizards is wizards is going to support the format why are they making us reprints of cards that we need for that format in order to keep the format alive it doesn't like what is their plan it doesn't make sense their plan does not make sense that's that's what it comes down to it's just like um and it's because the other thing is it's just like the message you get sent as a player is well once you're done mucking around with standard or you don't like playing it there's no other outlet for you it just seems so short-sighted yeah to me right like, i mean players um, players um, here's how most players learn magic they learn from a friend and then they eventually go to a store. The store, they meet people at the store, they play standard, because that's what they have, the new cards is what they have. They're like, oh, I can like spend a little bit of money and make a standard deck. And that's their first constructed experience is standard. And they get it, they play that for a while, they maybe get good at it. And then their cards rotate, and they're like, well, that was really terrible, I don't want that to happen again. So they probably play standard a little while, but they're slowly transferring their cards into modern. And when they do that, 
you know, for me at least, when you know, when I came back to the game in 2012, when I did that, I was like, oh, this sort of makes sense. It's nice. Like I got a little bit of a taste of the game again. And I made sure that I still wanted to play. I did, and then I moved into modern, and I did, and then I moved into legacy, and I still loved the game. And then Wizards was just like ripping the rug underneath of me every every like year or two, like uh, a little bit less of your format, a little bit less of your format. No, go back to standard. Go back to standard. Keep playing standard. And no one, no smart Magic player or person who has money and doesn't want to lose it wants to continue playing standard after after like their first two years of playing the game anymore. I mean, and the, the the real thing is, and that was all right, obviously, what you said. It was all correct. And the, it, it just maybe compounding that is, like, they just banned three cards yeah. from Standard. And if you look at it, like, if this, if what those three cards were doing was the baseline, like, they should have banned other cards multiple times over the past few years. Then they added more banning windows. And now it's like, okay, there's there's, like, uncertainty surrounding this format. And I don't know how much I trust them to get it right. Yeah, I don't. Like, I do not. Um, I just—it's the same people in design and development, you know, who are who are putting the sets together and 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 uh, curating the environment, and like they had five years after the Jason Stoneforge bans to find a way to to not have that happen. And I I gotta say, I think this is way worse. Yeah. Like, you know, um. It could because these cards have no home. The ones that they just banned, they're yeah. just like, we these were mistakes, and we're just taking them out. So sorry. Like, I mean, it was great for me. I got you know a set of smugglers. Yeah, you're able to for the brew price of a pack. Copters, right? <laughs> but yeah. like, but like, yeah. I mean, well, look at the, it, it, here's the what other happens thing if it's too. Really you know, okay. next time. Yeah, here's the other thing too. Is like, so I'm not a huge football fan, but I know that uh, I was in like 2005. And at the time, I was a Bengals fan, and the Bengals were doing pretty terribly. And there was a movement from the fans to the management, uh, to the ownership of the Bengals to fire the management. They were like, get rid of the management. The management's a problem. They're making mistakes all the time. They're f***ing up our fan base because we can't have a winning team, right? So the, the fans... We're able to make a mandate to to the and, and I don't even know if that happened because I followed football for about a year. But there was a big movement within within the Bengals fandom that was like, we need to get rid of the coaches. They're not doing their job. We need to get rid of you know like. And what we have here is people in R and D aren't doing their job. They're or they're doing it poorly. You know, and there's zero fear of like anything wrong happening to you know like you don't you don't have a chance to lose your job. Uh, as as an R and no guy, you know, there's zero accountability here. Like no one's no, no one's you know like no one's like oh I wonder what's going to happen to Mark Rosewater. Not do I want Ro- Mark Rosewater to get fired? I don't think so. But maybe he moves along and does something else. You know, like they they got rid of Worth. You know, I don't think he left willingly. You know, I'm sure that's a nice cushy job. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's because they weren't making they weren't doing well with MTGO. And I have to assume that MTGO is going to make some serious changes soon, um, and that's that's you know that's a topic for another time. But um, you know the 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 paper team just you know they just rotate the people underneath the people that are making the decisions, and that's not enough for me anymore. Well, it's funny I use that same sports analogy talking to someone like um, you know when the when the when the sports team is bad, you fire the coach, and the GM, and you rebuild, and like the heads of design and development, this is their baby right this this is the standard is their baby it's been and bad for a while. They, 
mess it up. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the collective, at least collected companies should have been banned, right? Yeah. And then you can go Jeez, farther back. Like, on. what about Jay's Jay's friends Prodigy? Like, you yeah. know, that was a that was a dominating force, and you know, ninety dollars. Why am I splashing for... blue in this four color deck? Oh, for just that one card. You yeah. Know? Right. Um. Going, you know, and like uh, that's the thing. Like, I mean, how really how much and, and those cards are way more powerful than smuggler's copter and reflector mage yeah the, the and it's that funny that collected company didn't get banned it j- boggles my mind still to this day yeah and i think that like and they because they never want to do it they never want to do it i know why they don't want to do it and the only reason they ever do it is because the standard attendance drops mm-hmm. and when you have stores like making up formats <laughs> so yeah. that people don't have that's to play standard that's you know? actually what's happening you know yeah, it's exactly what's happening. Um, That's so, why we started playing block at my local back in the day because no one wanted to play standard because uh, what's it called? Uh, because we were sick of seeing suicide black and and uh, what's it called uh, the jank deck. It was like uh, uh, shadow creatures with uh, imperial armor on it. We were sick of seeing that deck, so we just started playing tempest uh, block instead. Like that's yeah. that's what happens when a format is so like a standard format's that bad. Like that wasn't even a bad standard format. We were just sick of seeing the same decks. But when a standard format's that bad, people start making up their own little little weird formats. Like uh, you know, for EDH Frontier. it was tiny leaders. <laughs> now it's now it's Frontier. How long's Frontier gonna last until somebody figures out that like that's dumb and they move on to something else? You know, it, all Wizards has to do is like one time be like, well, we'll check out Frontier, and all of a sudden, like, everyone jumps on that bandwagon, you know? Like, um, I really hope that doesn't happen because it would really upset a lot of people who are really into modern. And, you know, I think if Wizards started backing Frontier, I'd be forced to to start playing it, which I really hate thinking about. But um, people are playing Frontier and not playing Standard because Standard is just not fun enough for them. There's no you know, brewing I, I started, in, in standard anymore, too. Like you can't brew. This is, there's three decks. You can play one of those three decks. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, you know, I, I started looking at Star City because they, you know, they, they've gotten rid of the legacy um, classics on mm-hmm. day two, and I was just checking in. Like, it's a really amazing. Like the standard, the day two standard classics, they really don't get that many people. I think they're less than they've all been less than 100 so far. Maybe the one was like 111 people, mm-hmm. and like it, it's the basically the upshot is that's the same number as Legacy used to get. Now you can't prove that to them, and they're gonna. And that's I'm not trying to go after Star City now. I'm just saying that like, you know, Modern is by far. I think Modern is by far the most popular format right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a Legacy podcast, and we like love Legacy, and we like why it's different than Modern, and I totally get that. But Modern is unquestionably the 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 favorite format right now it's where all the intrigue is around the ban list and around the brewing and around the high level events There's, they just get they get like 800 people for modern opens and 500 for standard it's a common <laughs> man's it's a common man's format too because once you get into modern like you don't have to have it get ruined by the pros it's a player's format you can play modern um smarter than your opponent with a with a deck that maybe doesn't match up perfectly against them and still win whereas in standard you can just play the f- the three decks that are the best decks and, and then it's they're literal gone rocks of paper months. and then they're go- they're gone in like 2 months cuz another set comes out and changes the deck and you have to s- figure out a way to transition your cards like mo- standard is inherently bad because 
of that reason. You have to constantly transition your cards every two months into another deck. And you can go week to week wanting to play completely different decks. And that's a real real strain on on any person's cash flow not to mention if you're if you're an adult paying rent in new york you know or if you're a kid you know like you don't want to spend all of your money on magic cards man i i see those people and i don't want to i don't want that life for myself you know like right yeah. i i like i like being a low level grinder you know uh, i like being invested in the game just to that point but i don't want to be the guy who like spends every single weekend playing in in whatever tournament i can find and then going off to a Grand Prix and hoping that I can break even on my winnings to like pay for the next Grand Prix I go to. That is a that is a fucking sad life, man. I'm not okay with that. Like as as a as a way that I want to live. Yeah. So I guess we should we just just to wrap up. I think our our reaction here is that this is just another indication of them going away from support for any non rotating format and. You know, maybe that should be our project as legacy podcasters. Like, what can we do to try and, you know, boost the profile of, of legacy to just to keep it going? You know, because it's not going to, we're not going to get any, nothing is, no one's walking through that door, which is the coast and helping us. No, there's zero. <laughs> the, yeah. And all they're doing is making weird reprint sets that they, you know, they, they, uh, they know like we'll signals, buy. man. Like, yeah, they know we're going to buy those things. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Well, it's it's been a good talk at the very least. I now, now, I don't know if I feel more or less stressed than when I when we started the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right, man. Have a good night. Have a good one, man. Where does he get those wonderful toys?